Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. So uh, we are absolutely happy to be in the Wisdom Books today. Uh, if you guys don't know, Wisdom Books, they were written uh, so that we could learn more about life, learn how to live more about an abundant life. If you actually, uh, if you look in the opening verse of Proverbs, it says uh, in Proverbs 1, verse 1 through 3, it says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Is that still doing that? Like, it, Okay, cool. All right. It says, uh, it says their, their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. It says their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, what is just, and what is fair. First off, I want you guys to notice there's a correlation there between living a disciplined life and living a successful life. Like, you're never going to be successful without putting discipline in place. Secondly, I want you guys to take note that God thought so highly of wisdom that he put books in the Bible dedicated to teaching us how to be successful. Like, how awesome is that? That we have a God that loves us so much that he is going to teach us about how to be successful. Uh, It's so cool, man. I love looking around. And I love just thinking about, like, what the individual skill sets of each person's here. I mean, we've got developers. I mean, there's, you know, doctors, there's teachers, there's attorneys, there's politicians. Uh, There there are so many talents that each individual person here has been gifted with. We've got leadership gurus. We've got restauranteurs. Like, there are so many talents that we have in this room. Now, put a pin in that. Think about what would happen if every single person here was operating at the highest capacity that they could as designed by God. Think about it. Because here's, here's, here's a common saying, but the saying is, is our potential is God's gift to us. What we do with it is our gift to God. So I want to talk about that some today. I want to talk about potential. There is so much potential that's in this room. Uh, what, what, do you, what would you do? What would you do in your life if you thought you would succeed? I mean, think hard. You don't have to come up with it today, but put some thought into that. Like, what would you do with your life if you thought there was absolutely no chance that you could fail? What is it? Because there are so many things that God has gifted each one of us with that he wants us to step out in faith on, to work towards, to achieve, but we've got so many things that are holding us back. We've got fear, we've got limitations. Think about how many times that you've been told no in your entire life. Look, stop thinking about why you can't do stuff. Start thinking about how you can do stuff. Because what I want to talk about today, it's growth. It's personal growth. The only way that we're ever going to reach that potential that we have in our life is if we grow. So check this out. In Proverbs 16:9, it says, In the hearts of humans, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Like it's okay for us to dream. 
It's okay for us to have plans. In our hearts, that's where we're going to develop these plans. But as long as we'll continue to draw close to God and allow him to ordain our steps, that's how that we're going to be successful. You see, because today, I don't want to talk like I'm a motivational speaker. Like, that's not it. Like, I do want to motivate, I do want to encourage, and I do want you to do some retrospect or some thinking in your life about how that you can be better when you leave here than whenever you first came here, because that's what we all want to do, right? We just want to be better tomorrow than we were today. But I don't want you to think that you can do this without the presence of God in your life. Because if you ever want to reach your true potential and you want to surpass the capacity in which that you ever thought was possible, you're going to need to go to the designer to figure out who God made you for and how that you can live up to that potential. You see, there's nothing wrong with success. I just want you guys to know this because I think some people, some Christians especially, think that there's something wrong with being successful. Like, I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher, and whenever you hear me say the word success, I don't want you to think that I'm talking about solely financial gain. I'm talking about quality of life, quality of relationships. Financial gain, yes, but also think about, like, what your influence looks like. Like, which circles are you involved in, and how can you influence other people? You see, I think it's awesome knowing that the governor of the state of Arkansas, Christian, the mayor, Mayor Scott, city of Little Rock, pastor. The sheriff, Sheriff Eric Higgins, he's a pastor. Is that not cool that the leaders that we have are all faith-filled believers? Because whatever they do, that we know that they have Christ with them, and that's going to help influence the policies. I think that there's people in this room that God wants to use to do the same thing. I think there's people that God wants to elevate you so that you can be that decision maker, so that you can be that influencer. But you can't be scared of success. You can't be scared of it at all. Like, we have to grow. We have to develop. Do you know that whenever you develop in life, that God gets the glory? God gets the glory. Whenever you occupy these spaces that are held by officials, God gets the glory. Whenever you will give him the glory, and he can look, and people can look back at your life and see where you started out versus where you become and where you grow into, God gets the glory in all of that. You see, there's so many awesome things that we can do. The reason that I am super passionate about this is because I get to see this every single day. What we do with M18 Recovery, it is so addictive because we get to watch people come in incredibly broken and then we get to watch God restore them, put them on a firm foundation, and then we get to watch God do the miracle of growing their life. But I am not just talking to you about this from a position of someone that's always gotten it right. Okay, uh, a lot of you guys know my past. For those of you who don't, I have been horribly addicted to meth uh, as well as other drugs. Uh, I've smoked crack cane, cocaine with a homeless man behind a dumpster in Memphis. Uh, I don't know why it had to be homeless or why it had to be behind a dumpster, but it's just a crack cocaine joke. Roll with it. Uh, and so I, I, I've been horribly addicted to pornography. I've been horribly addicted to people pleasing. I've been morbidly obese. I, I've done all of these things. I've smoked cigarettes, like anything that you can think of in your entire life that someone would have to overcome. Right here. I have watched God and what he can do in someone's life and how that he can take you no matter where you're at, and he can pick you up out of that, and he can make something out of you. So wherever you're sitting right now, please know God has a plan for you, and he wants to continue to develop you. I'm still a work of progress, I know, but in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, therefore, if anyone in Christ is a new creation, uh, the old life is gone and a new life has begun. Did you guys know that? Like when we come to know Christ, the old life that we had, it should be no longer, but it doesn't say the new life is completed. 
It says the new life has begun. Like whenever we make a decision for Christ, that just means that today is the day that I want to start living differently than I did before. You see, some of you guys, though, check this out. You're in a good spot. Like you think that everything's great. You got everything going for you. But what I want you to do is I want you to focus on the areas in your life that maybe you do need growth. Because you can grow in so many areas. If you need purpose in your life, you need to grow in self-awareness. If you need to be a better person, you need to grow in your character. Uh, maybe you're broke. You, you need to grow in your finances. Maybe you need to grow in a skill set so that you can better your career. There's all types of ways that we can grow. They're not just limited to spiritual in nature. Although, if you want to find the most fulfillment in your life, your spirituality needs to progress until the day that you turn into Jesus himself whenever you have your heavenly body up in heaven. Can I get an amen to that? So growth is super important. If we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll operate in the same areas over and over. We'll continue to make the same mistakes over and over. You can sit here for 20 years of your life and not be 20 years old. You can be one year old because you've repeated the same year over and over again. Without growth, that's what happens to Christians. They never progress in their development, and they're still on spiritual milk whenever in all reality they should be teaching the word by now. I'm not doing this to condemn you. I'm telling you that if you're sitting in here and you're not growing, that you're stagnant, and you will become unfulfilled in your life, and eventually you'll turn away from the faith completely. There is absolutely no better day than today to start this growth process. I'm telling you, no matter what you're thinking about right now, Think about growing. In Zechariah 4.10, it says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. I think about Dakota. Dakota, are you in here at all? Dakota. Dakota, he is somebody right now that we've got in charge of uh, our phase two transitional living. Dakota walked in here strung out of his mind on heroin. This guy came in, stumbled in off the streets. Bronson said, hey, I've got a guy you need to talk to. I walked up on him out in the... Uh, out on the foyer out there, out on the, the, uh, the sidewalk, and I uh, started talking to him. Next thing you know, he becomes a part of M18 Recovery, and he's been sober for over a year now, and he's doing phenomenal. <laughs> Absolutely. The Lord loves to see the work begin. So never think that you're too far gone. Never think that God doesn't have a plan for you. Never think that there's going to be a better time today than, than today to start. Continue to move forward in your life and allow God to grow you. Uh, so how do we grow? Um, talked a lot about it, but how do we actually go about doing this? First and foremost, be intentional. Intentionality is key whenever it comes to growth. You're either going to plan it or you're going to accidentally grow, and I don't think that you want to be relying upon accidental growth. Uh, take a class, join a small group, get in community. One of the things we teach at M18 is it's exponentially to, to harder to do the wrong thing when you're surrounded by the right people. And if you surround yourself by the right people, you're going to grow by default. Whenever you have people around you that are speaking life into you, that are Christians, that are solid, it says iron sharpens iron, so as one sharpens another. Look, come to brotherhood, come to sisterhood, take the first step. I told Tommy I would invite at least two people. I think I've hit my quota. So there we go. We'll probably have more about that in the announcements at the end. But nevertheless, surround yourself by people that are going to speak life into you, not speak death over you. Whenever you have people that are constantly in your eardrum that aren't basing their life experiences around biblical knowledge, then they are going to lead you in the wrong direction. Right now, there's people that are encouraging you to leave your spouse. There's people that are encouraging you to, to be dishonest. There's people that are encouraging you to lie and to cheat on your taxes. You do not need these people in your life. You need people that will speak sound wisdom to you so that it can sharpen you, so that it can lead you into a better place in life. 
Look, read a book. <laughs> we live in the age of information. Or check this out. Better yet, do what I do. Uh, listen to a summary of a book. Uh, or, or, or check this out. No, no, no. You want to do a really good one? Uh, watch a TED Talk by the author and then claim you've read the book. Uh, hallelujah. Uh, so <laughs> two ways that you're going to grow. You're, you're either going to grow unintentionally, forcefully, uh, or you're going to grow intentionally. And I think that we're all going to want to pick the intentionality because what I've learned, something I call growth catalyst in our life, uh, sometimes we're forced into growth. Uh, not all these are bad. Uh, sometimes you get a promotion at work, forced to grow. Sometimes you have a baby, forced to grow. Can I get an amen on my parents out there? Yes. Uh, so, but there's other times, those are not necessarily bad, but there's other times that you're going to be forced into growth because that you didn't actually do the work on your own to get there. Let me give you some examples. So I'm not throwing rocks, by the way, uh, because I'm the poster child of this. Um, I was actually diagnosed diabetic before I lost weight. Uh, I was actually arrested and thrown into handcuffs before I ever submitted my life to Christ. Like, there's a lot of things that I didn't do right. I was forced into growth through these, I call them catastrophic uh, catalysts, if you will. Uh, they're, they're the growth catalysts, the things that force you into it. Um, but basically, start being intentional about growth today so that you don't have to have these catalysts in your life. Um, instead of waiting, like I said, until you get diagnosed, go ahead and start losing weight now. Instead of waiting until you get caught cheating, uh, why don't you start working on how to put boundaries in your life into your relationship right now today? Uh, and, instead of going out here and, and, and falling and stumbling and getting arrested and having the cops throw you in jail for DWI or drugs and alcohol, why don't you just make the decision to get clean today, you know? Like, we don't always have to have these catastrophic events in our life to force us to get help. We can actually make the decision today to start growing and avoid a lot of this stuff. You do not have to wait until you can't get another credit card and are on the verge of bankruptcy before you start pulling yourself out of debt. Look, there are so many ways that we can do this. We live in the age of knowledge. We live in the age of information. And I'm telling you, you are in a great church. There are people all around you that would love to mentor you. I am looking at so many people that are so many talents in so many different areas that if you really make the decision and you want to get better, let somebody know the areas that you want to get better in. Be open, be honest, and let people know what's going on because you will have people that are willing to help you. You can prevent an immense amount of damage in your lives by making growth intentional. In recovery ministry, it's not always the case. But once again, I'm not saying that this is a bad thing. People in recovery ministries, they can have real growth. They really can. Uh, there used to be a skit, I don't know if you guys remember a band or a group called South Park Mexicans. Um, but, uh, but, but, but don't, don't Google this. Uh, South Park Mexicans, so uh, they, they, had, they had a thing uh, in, in which that, uh, that, that one guy said to the other, they said, hey, man, they said, uh, they said, uh, and they said, Carlos, man, Carlos found Jesus. And it, it was like, oh, yeah, I thought Carlos was in the county. They said, yeah, Carlos found Jesus in the county. And he was like, well, man, why is everybody in church? Jesus is in the county. <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that. <laughs> there really is. Think about it. Whenever we're having fun, whenever we're doing great, we don't need Jesus. Daniel Tosh once said, money can't buy happiness, but it can buy a wave runner. <laughs> Have you ever seen anyone unhappy on a wave runner? <laughs> you know, and, and so it's like when we go through these seasons of life in which that we're on our wave runners, we're on our party barges, we're surrounded by friends, we've got plenty of money, we really don't have a reason or a need to reach out to God, but it's whenever we have handcuffs on and we're inside the jail, that's when we have a need for a savior. 
That's whenever we're willing to grow. That's the catastrophic catalyst that I'm talking about in life. One thing I want to tell you guys about these catastrophic, catastrophic catalysts. I should have picked something different, less of a tongue twister. But one thing I want you guys to know is that growth stimulated by these can be very real. But it's how you approach it. Because what I see time and time again is people that focus more on reconciliation of the situation less on personal growth. So if you find yourself in one of these, these, these catalyst-driven growth moments, please make sure that you focus on your own personal growth and not just reconciling the situation. Please focus on restoring, not focusing on simply restoring your message, but focusing on growing so that you don't do whatever it did that got you there to begin with. Uh, I, I see this so many times. Don't focus on getting out of jail Focus on doing whatever it takes to have the heart change. Look, I'm a product of this. I never even thought about coming to know Christ before I got arrested. Never, ever thought about making Jesus my Lord. Asking to be my Savior a dozen times. Never thought about him being Lord until I had no other options. But guess what? Somewhere along the way, I had a heart change. And whenever I had a heart change, that's where everything became different. No longer was I seeking after pleasing man. It actually got to the point where I didn't care if I went to jail or not. Because if I went to jail, I was going to count it as being a worthy soldier. And I was going to go inside the jail like 60 days in. And I was going to shake that dude up however I possibly could. And that was where I was at in life. We have to use these experiences that God has allowed us to go through and that we've allowed to be changed so that we can help other people. But God wants you to change your heart because when you change your heart, that's whenever God can work. All right, second, develop a vision. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people will perish. Have you thought about where you wanna go? What drives you? Like who... Who are you as a person? Like, are you aware of that at all? What is it that burns inside of your bones that you cannot shake it? What is it that you would do even if you were an ultra-wealthy billionaire that you would do free of charge or that you would even trade all your money for the opportunity to get to do it because the purpose in life was so much greater than any financial gain? Pray on it. Look, I'm not saying every single person here should know the answers to these things, but you should search out because if you want to know your divine purpose and what God created you to do, it's gonna be at the other end of some of these questions. Look, don't just keep the vision though. You gotta write it down. You have to write it down. Zig Ziglar said that if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. One of my favorite quotes, Habakkuk 2.2, it says, for the Lord answered me and said, write down the vision and describe it clearly on tablets so that the one who reads it may run with it. Greg Reed said, a dream written down with a date becomes a goal. A goal broken down into steps becomes a plan and a plan backed by action makes your dreams come true. The difference between ordinary people and successful people, ordinary people set goals, but successful people make detailed plans of action. Whenever you come up with a goal, is it always just gonna be an idea or is it gonna be something that you put into motion? God wants to bless you. God wants to see these visions that he has given you. If God has given you something, don't you think he wants to fulfill it? Like God has given you these visions, but he wants you to write them down. He wants you to pursue them and he wants you to grow so that you can handle the vision that he's given you. But please understand, it's a lifelong process. During this process, I challenge you, manage your short-term expectations. 
I think what happens is a lot of people in life, they overestimate what God will do in a short period of time, and they greatly underestimate what God can do over the span of years. Stop thinking about your life in terms of months and years and start thinking about it in terms of decades or even a lifetime or even eternity. If you don't have a clear vision for your life, I'll tell you right now, one of the best ways to do it is to set under another leader that you believe God has given them a vision and helped them achieve theirs. Throughout the process, you will learn an immense wealth of invaluable knowledge that you can never replace. And at the right time, I promise you, that visionary will help you achieve your vision whenever it becomes real. Third, prepare to sacrifice. Hey, this is the happiest one of the day. Look, it's sacrificial, man. We learned in the beginning that it's, a, that it's gonna be a matter of discipline. We're going to have to give up things in order to gain things. What are you willing to give up to grow? Think about it. Are there things in your life that you know are not leading you in the right direction? Are you willing to snip them? To grow to be a stronger Christian, to be a better provider, to have a higher quality of life, would you give up things? I think that's the tough one for a lot of us, is we don't want to really give up anything. We never want to, to just move forward in life. What happens is we get so comfortable in our existence that we begin to fear change even if we're miserable. And that's the crazy part. I've watched people set in relationships that they were absolutely miserable with. They were dating for years, but they didn't wanna give up because they were so used to the misery. Look, Jesus, he wants us to be successful. He wants us to have a high quality of life, but he also wants us to count the cost of the sacrifice. In Luke 14, 28 and 29, Jesus, he warned us. He said, count the cost. He said, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money and then everyone would laugh at you. That's Jesus. <laughs> Tell me my guy's got a sense of humor. <laughs> like, people think you're an idiot, bro. Like, that's, what, that's the way my Jesus would have said it. But sometimes we just get so bogged down by the mundane, the day-to-day, -day, the life, we just get caught in a rut, and we never want to move forward. But look, I want to be a church that counts the cost and is okay with it. Like, I want to be a group of believers that want to grow above all else. Above all else, they want to figure out what Christ can do in their life through them if they allow it, and then they want to take the steps to move forward to make it happen. Coach Fitz, he says it all the time, you're going to hurt. It's either going to be the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Which one are you going to pick? As simplistic as it is and as crazy as it sounds, one of the things that I've learned about recovery ministry and it's about life in general is that you have to change something in order to grow. Like you have to. One quote says, you will not change your life until you change something you do every single day. Who are we? What drives us? How are we gonna change? One of the most powerful things you can do is grow yourself, but sometimes it involves changing your environment. I think about a greenhouse, and you think about how greenhouses are set up to grow. How greenhouses, they have the perfect soil, they have the perfect air, they have the perfect oxygen saturation, the perfect water, Everything about them is perfect for growth. Are you willing to set up your life in a similar fashion? Because see, sometimes it's as much about the things that we do 
as it is the things that we don't do. I think that there's people in this room right now that has relationships that they need to sever today, friends and otherwise. Are the people around you causing you to be better or worse in life? You see, a greenhouse, it, 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 it forces you to grow. It provides everything that you need. It's got fertile soil, and it just it, it, it shows you what you can do. It, it allows you to reach your fullest potential. But if we're willing to do that with our own personal lives, God will provide growth. You see, we'll grow regardless. We can grow in certain areas, but if we will eliminate the things in our life that are not doing us any good and focus solely on the things that are to, to create this greenhouse in our life, we'll grow exponentially faster. You see, in order to grow, we've got to sacrifice. We have to sacrifice the things of the world in order to receive the things of God. Uh, we've got to sacrifice instant gratification for long-term satisfaction. We have to. There, there are things in life that we are going to have to sacrifice. It feels like a sacrifice on the front end, but if you will just give it time to grow, I promise at the end of the day, that compounding interest that comes along with living a great lifestyle, there's nothing like it. You see, it says uh, in Psalms 127, verse 2, oh, sorry, uh, number four. This is something Bronson was talking about earlier. Whenever it comes to growth, we have to pause for rest and reflection. In Psalm uh, 127, verse 2, it says, it is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. We get rest. Like, whenever it comes to growth, sometimes I, I think that we have this mental image of that we just have to be on the grind nonstop. Do you guys know what, what it's like for strength training? Like, in strength training, whenever you lift, that's not when you grow, as with life. When you lift, that's whenever you tear down the muscle fibers. You, you lift and you break things up, as with life. Whenever you're going through these heavy lifting seasons of life, that's whenever you're breaking down, but it's the seasons of rest that we regrow, we become stronger than we were before, and now we're able to attack again. This is what God wants us to do. He wants us to grow. He wants us to lift. He wants these pressures to be applied in our life. He wants us to trial by fire. But at the end of the day, he doesn't want us to keep going because if you continually make mistakes and grow, you're not going to grow unless you sit back, reflect, think about what happened, and then figure out how that you can move into the next season and be stronger than you were before. Like, I think that whenever we just go nonstop, 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 that's how that we can produce the same year over and over and over and over again because we never actually took the time to look back, to rest, and to see what happened. One of the key things about growth is pausing for self-evaluation. We have to step back from time to time and see what things are working. Also, rest. It's great for our health. It's great for our outlook on life. If we're unrested, we're naturally gonna have a negative bent towards the things that we're approaching. We have to have this rest and relaxation. Think about it. God originally gave us 10 things. One of them was don't kill people, and the other one was take a day off. You know what I'm saying? Like on the same memorandum, you know, God's like, hey, uh, yeah, don't kill people. Uh, oh, yeah, and, uh, See you guys next Monday. You know what I mean? It's like Saturday, take, take a day off. I love it, but it's because he designed us. He knows how he designed us. And so if you're experiencing some of these anxieties in life, compare it to your schedule and see how, how much you might need to take a, take a break. Uh, in Psalm 46.10, it says, be still and know that I am God. 
the scripture is not telling us to not move. It's just saying, understand that God is God. Trust him for some things. Allow him to work on your behalf. There's some things that you want right now in life that you're trying to forcefully manipulate and maneuver on. And that's not what God wants you to do. He wants you to trust him to deliver it to you because he's a good God. He wants to show his goodness. He wants to build your faith. He wants to show himself as who he is, and that's the creator of the universe that loves you dearly and has numbered every single hair on your head. Are you gonna let him? Are you gonna keep picking at the situation, making it worse? Look, I've got a part two of this message. And if you guys, I'm, it's gonna be a little bit over, but I've got five more minutes and I think this is gonna change somebody's life. I really do. One of the hardest things in a season of growth is when it's not your season. When it's the season of the person standing beside you. We have this supernatural allowance for grace on our own faults. But whenever you are married or have a son or a daughter or a coworker or somebody that's in close proximity to you and they're in their season of growth, now things can become difficult. I was praying about this the other day and I just know that my wife and I, man, we've been to hell and back. We openly talk about it. We were pastors of a church. We were planning a campus in Mayflower and we felt like that we were all alone. We didn't have anybody we could talk to. We hadn't made friends yet really here in Arkansas uh, and, and it, it got out of control. Uh, at, what, at one point in time, the, uh, I got diagnosed with ADD uh, while I was doing a vision casting session by a psychiatrist. And uh, you know, how, how well does that go? Like, hey, uh, come see me in my office. Like, you've got mental problems. <laughs> and, uh, and my wife was going through postpartum depression and uh, after having a bunch of anxiety, and it was a tumultuous time in our life. In fact, the doctor said, you have ADD and you have OCD, and the two of them are not blending well together. And, uh, and so we, we had to learn how to grow. We had to learn how to grow as a couple. The one thing that I really took from all of it is a word that, that I use now, gracist. <laughs> a gracist is someone who has grace for other people because of their recognition of their own many faults. Grace, it's the only way that you are ever going to be able to successfully walk alongside someone as you both grow independently. Because how many people know we don't have the same faults? Somebody might have a heroin addiction. Somebody might have a porn addiction. Somebody might have a horrible relationship with his mother that is continually affecting your spouse. Somebody might have anxiety. Somebody might have issues and, and trust. Some people might have past trauma from other relationships in which that they were beat or what, what, I mean, what, whatever have you, whatever your status is, what are you going to do whenever you have to sit next to that person and you've made a commitment with them that you're going to walk it out for the rest of your life and now you have to go through every season of growth with them. You've got to have grace. The scripture says that we are to provide forgiveness with the same measure in which that we wish to receive it. Can you do that? Can you have grace for your mom understanding that she wasn't a perfect person whenever she raised you? 
and that she made her own mistakes and her own faults? Can you forgive your dad because he wasn't there for you like you wish he would have been? Can you forgive people in your life and have grace for them, knowing that you don't want to die on that mountain and that you would rather have that relationship than that resentment? Time and time again, guys, I think that we do that. I think that we forget that we are growing as well as the people that are around us. Something that we learn personally is that at the end of the day, um, you're going to look up, and one of the things that, that you have to do is if you're growing with someone, if you're in it for the long haul, is uh, you're going to have to finally one day admit that they're grown. Because sometimes that there can be damage that, are, that is done in areas of your life in the beginning, and then you might be going two, three, four years later and still treating them like they're the same person that they once was. Like they might have had an addiction to alcohol, they might have had an addiction to pornography, they might have cheated on you in the past, but it's six years later. <laughs> if they're not the same person, you're gonna have to admit that. And so I just want you guys to know that Jesus loves you. He's got a plan for you. He wants you to grow. He wants to provide that growth. You see, whenever we're putting too much pressure on someone that is in our life, we've been called to, we've been called to be light. We've been called to be salt. We've been called to water. We've been called to plants. But at the end of the day, it's God that provides the growth. You're not God. <laughs> Amen. And I'm thankful for that because light, when it's radiant, when it's pleasant, it causes growth. But whenever it's concentrated and forced, it causes death. Salt in small quantities causes great flavor, causes you to be hungry, causes you to be appetizing. But when it's too much, it causes heart disease. <laughs> There's so many things in life that I think we overdo it. And so whenever we start trying to force someone to grow, instead of fighting your battles in the heavenly realms and praying for them on a regular basis, not just praying for them, their salvation, their relationship for God, but pray how you can change to better adapt. Because what I've learned is that people are different. There's 16 personality types. There's five love languages. There's just as many apology languages. There's all these things. Sometimes two people are speaking the exact same thing, but they're on two different frequencies. You're not dealing with bad people oftentimes. You just have a lack of communication. You have a lack of knowledge of the other individual. Sometimes I think when someone has emotions geared towards me that that's kind of like me making Santa Claus angry. I think they're fictitious, Kenny. I don't believe in emotions, but that's not the right way to go about life. We have to learn how that we can cope with and deal with. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. Just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.